Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Good morning, Grinders. Welcome to the DFS pregame show here on Roto Grinders. I'm Jordan Cooper, a.k.a. Blenderhead, Blender HD on the Twitter. And this is the show where we go over a little bit of last night. We go over a little bit of today's slate, today's six-gamer, six-game slate. Is anything going to happen? Oh, something always happens, right? Even last night. I mean, everything happens every day. Right, you plan your lineups. It's eleven in the morning. No point. No, just no point. There's no point to it all. I'm very nihilistic this morning. Just there's no, why? Why do we bother playing? Why do we bother? I didn't even play last night. Last night I didn't play. I had a personal thing to take care of. I wasn't going to be at my computer uh, at lock and uh, and if, in seventy eight DFS. If you're not going to if you're not going to be at your computer all night, uh, you can't play. I mean, I mean you can. It's you're going to be at a disadvantage. Uh, I don't want to be on my phone, like trying to trying to use lineup HQ and mobile and changing things out. So I just decided I'll take a night off, right? It's okay. You could skip slates. It's perfectly fine. There are people that always ask, oh, well, if I, if I can't be at my computer during NBA DFS, when there's like, you know, 7 million different start times and 14,000 people on the injury report, like, is it going to put me at a disadvantage? Yes, it will. Yeah, it, w- it will. Can you still win without doing so? Yes. Of course you can, but are you going to be put in? You're not going to, this guy's out, this guy's in the lead. I mean, worst case scenario, you have to global swap people out, right? Oh, this guy, I guess he's just, he's going to be, he's not going to play. So I got, I got, I got to take Jeremy Grant out of my lineups and put someone else in. So at least I get points. Okay. But if you're not going to then rearrange based on if he's out, that means this guy does well and then switch your lineups around. If you're not going to be on your computer, I do most of my stuff on desktop. So on the phone, I enter contests, but as far as like managing lineups, I'm going to do it on desktop. And uh, if I'm not going to be there, I can't play. So what the hell happened last night? I don't know. You have to tell me. Tell me in the YouTube chat what was tilting you last night. I know we had the Spurs. We had, uh, you know, with the Aldridge played, but he didn't start, right? Something happened like that. I got the notifications on the RG app because that's what I always do. You want to get you want to make sure you're down with the news. You get the RG app. Get the Roto Grinders app from the App Store. Uh, I think Google Play Store, right? I have an iPhone. I guess I guess it's available on Android as well. And you set the notifications. You put notification preferences on NBA. There's three different options, right? So you could get just the urgent news. Then you could get important news. Uh, what's the difference between the two? I don't know. The urgent is like starting lineups and this guy's out, that type of stuff. Just turn it on and the news comes to you. Just, to, you know, 
within a minute of the news being released, we have, we have an update out. So, so I saw, I saw the updates, just, I didn't have any lineups to switch. So you tell me in the YouTube chat, what, what tilted you last night? I see you guys in there. Uh, Alexander Malchow, Matt Mears, Card Fan, Apocalypse, Chandler Cannon, Dario Rosenstock, Kevin Brunson. I see, I see all you guys in there. Hit that thumbs up button. Hit the thumbs up for the apple juice. Keeping it cold, keeping it cold. Hit the subscribe button if you're new here. Hit the notification bell to know when we go live in the morning. But uh, but I don't know. I don't know what 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 tilted everyone last night. I'll look through results TV, but like the nuances of the slate, I wasn't that aware of because obviously I wasn't involved in it. So that's why I could look and go, you know, why was Trey Lyles chalky? Well, I mean, he he was in the starting lineup, right? We, we saw, or he, right, because Eldridge didn't start, and they started, didn't they start Samaric? Samanic? Samanic? Lucas Samanic? Samanic? Right? It's it's pop. It's the Spurs. I said yesterday, yesterday morning. It's like, oh, okay, it's, I guess we're playing Spurs chalk, and you're going to play Lonnie Walker and Murray and and, and Patty Mills, and, uh, and how did that work out? I mean, Murray worked out. Lonnie Walker, I mean, they were cheap. So, I mean, I guess he was he was chalky, but he only put up 22 points. Patty Mills, 21 points. I mean, I guess, I mean, if the if, if you got if you got if you got enough points elsewhere, I mean Semantic only scored 8.5. Trey Lyles, 19.25, but he was cheap. So, I mean, I don't know. Did, did the Spurs chalk get there? Is that is that considered getting there for last night's slate? Because Allen Allen had a game, 61 points. Saban Lee got the got there again, right? Because he was still cheap enough. They didn't raise his price that much. Because Jeremy Grant was out. Uh, it didn't matter. I don't think it mattered for Saban Lee. But people played like Dumboya because he was in the starting lineup. He ended up with only like eight points. Plumley did okay, right? But it's the Pistons. The Pistons are horrible. So that's what he had to rely on. A horrible team in the Pistons. And then Greg Popovich with the Spurs. Oh, here's the starting lineup. Who knows what's going to happen, right? Who who knows who's going to play, how much, how many minutes or whatever. Rudy Gay goes off at 70,000 points for no apparent reason, right? And that's what happens there. So so maybe maybe yesterday if I did play GPPs, I wouldn't have gone as heavy on the on the Spurs guys, but there wasn't really that much value. I mean, Sadiq Bay, you didn't get there. I mean, it seemed like there were, were there a lot of blowouts yesterday. So I was scrolling through before when I was setting setting everything up. I was like, who scored a lot of points? And I'm looking through and I'm like, Jason Tatum had 19.75. Did the Celtics get blown out? Um, I have to assume so, right? Chai had a good game. Trey had a good game. Uh, Wall didn't get there again for his price. Ingram was fine. Draymond, okay, 47.75. Curry seemed to have, uh, I mean, a decent game for his salary, almost 50 points. But like LeBron only put up like 30, right? Did the Lakers get blown out? Did something happen there? I have no idea. I would. That's why I said I was. I don't know. Anthony Edwards, forty-five points. He just comes out of the blue and scores a ton for no apparent reason every once in a while. Chris Paul. Yeah, yeah it seems like a lot of the the single-digit own guys uh, gave you a lot of points for contrarian players, right? If you mixed in, I don't know what what value you would have mixed in, but I mean, we have some a lot of look. Jimmy Butler, sixty-two points. Yeah, you could have built a you could have built a great lineup with a lot of single digit owned players. Chris Paul, Mike Conley at forty points, even Tristan Thompson for his price, he was good at thirty two. Dennis, hey Dennis Smith Jr. finally had a game, thirty one point seven five points when no one was playing. <laughs> right, he was massive chalk the other day, right, and then no no one plays him now. 
and he gets 31 points. And Saban Lee actually had less points, but I mean, still 28. So that's still fine. So I don't know what tilted you last night. Still hard to see, like what chalk failed. I mean, Towns did okay. I guess the Celtics. I guess that that was the that was the big thing. Jalen Brown and, and Jason Tatum, like they they, they killed you. Lonnie, I mean Lonnie, the, all the cheap guys. I can't I can't say are duds. I mean Josh Jackson. I mean he had a good game. Capella, uh, Capella was kind of a little got seventeen percent owned. He didn't he didn't have a game. Wendell Carter was better. Demontis Sabonis was okay. I'm just going through. I'm, I'm reviewing it for myself. I don't know what happened last night. So that's why I'm looking. Looks like who was chalky? Who had, what was the constructions? What did people play? Because especially when you go over the slate, like earlier in the day, it's like, okay, Spurs and then whatever. And then whatever. And then so you, you're not sure how to adjust, you know, before lock when you're, you're not building any lineups. So it's uh, so going through the YouTube chat. We see, oh, Will's here. Chief Justice is in the house, Will Priester, in the YouTube chat. Uh, Tyler Coleman says, Tatum and Levine tanked my lineups. But what was it a Celtics blow? I mean, I should look at the scores, right? NBA scores. Let, let, I, I want to see what happened. What happened last night with the, with the... Can you even tell with these scores? Yesterday. What happened with the Celtics? They get blown up by the Hawks? So, I mean, that couldn't have been that close going to the end of the game with Tatum only with barely 20 points, right? Cavaliers, okay, they beat the Rockets. Bulls-Timberwolves was an overtime game. Okay. And yeah, and the Jazz blew out the, looks like the Jazz blew out the Lakers. So there, okay, so that makes sense. Pel- Pelicans-Pistons, okay, now I get that many points that were scored in that game. The Warriors-Pacers game was close. Doesn't even all look that many close games other than this OT game, the Hornets-Suns. Maybe the Raptors heat, I guess, but they, they weren't very well owned. I have to review what happened last night. I mean, that that that's what I do at 11 o'clock in the morning every day, even if I didn't play the day before, right? Got to see what happened. Got to see what people are tilting about, right? Because if they're playing, if they're on a back-to-back, a lot of people are like, he burned me last night, can't play them tonight. So I'm at, maybe the ownership goes down. So I got, I got, I got to check it out. I got to check it out. Hank Reynolds says, had a bad cash day yesterday. What are some tips for making better cash lineups? Play the best projected median lineup that you can. It's not that complicated. The best projected players and try to make the best lineup out of them, right? You may have 14 players that could fit into a lineup in a multitude of ways. And the differences between those lineups are like a point. You could try, you could choose based on your projections to play the just the, whatever's the top one. You can do that, or one that has maybe higher floor, a little narrower range of outcomes. But most of the time, you're seeing, there's there's a very small select, like cash player pool. So identify. I mean, that's what that. I mean, that's why you use projections. I mean, I could go in right now. Here, I mean, I even brought it up on the side, but based on our our initial algorithmic, you know, no one looked at them projections yet. Let's see. Then I'll, I'll 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 refresh it just in case. Anyone anyone come in the morning and, and started working on these? No, not yet. But based on based on the, the the initial set, basically we're playing two of three of these guys: Jokic, Giannis, and Harden. Probably playing two of them. I'm assuming uh, with uh, Rose and Quickly being projected well, that means that Elf Payton is out. 
or is not going to play is dead. Is he dead? I don't know. They announced something yesterday, but I mean, if he's not in the projections, I'm, I'm going to assume our projections team knows what they're doing. They just didn't forget about him. So that's going to bump up the Knicks and they're playing the, the Kings. So that's a, that's a plus matchup. So you just look, I sort by RGV and I, I see like who, who's here. Who's, who's the value? Okay, quickly. And I mean, obviously we haven't marked means, you know, Andy means he's up early in the morning, marking the core place to begin with writing his article. That's for premium members. If you want to be a premium member, click on the link in the description, get $10 off your first month. But I would look like this. Obviously I could run based on these projections, what, what the optimal lineup is. Quickly Rose, Barrett, Porter, Jokic, Augustine, Giannis, Lopez. Doesn't make doesn't make me feel good. This lineup doesn't make me feel good, but mathematically, 290.21. It's the highest median lineup you can make. But if I build, just build 20 lineups, I mean, you could choose. See, 20 290.21, 289.16. That's a drop in a point. There's a drop in a point and a half. About a point and a half. A little over a point and a half. Point and a half. Right? Like two points. You know, like... Any of these are pretty, pretty, I mean, based on your projections, based on our projections, as of right now, uh, the best median projected lineups. So like the difference between these two, I mean, take a look here. I mean, what really is the difference? Burks. So basically Burks over Rose. Okay. And you leave, no, Burke, and there's a 2v2 here, right? Because there's no Lopez. So it's quickly Burks Barrett, quickly Rose Barrett, Porter Jokic. Oh, so you're playing Rose also. So basically, it's a, you're not playing uh, uh, Brook Lopez. So you're playing Burks over Brook Lopez. So that's the that's that's the difference between these two lineups. If you go to this lineup, the next one looks kind of the same, but instead of playing uh, R.J. Barrett, you're playing uh, Will Barton. There you go, leaving 400 on the table. Here's one with Shake Milton. So it's basically you're playing Shake Milton over. DJ Augustine, so you're not playing, you're doing something. What's the difference? Let's see. Let's go back up here. Porter Augustine, Giannis. So RJ Barrett rose quickly. RJ Barrett rose quickly. Porter Jokic. So you're playing Milton over or over Augustine. Augustine's 4100 Okay, okay. Now I had to see the prices. So like you see, there's not that much different. Here's a hardened lineup. So you're not playing Jokic. This is 288.35. So it's a point, a point and a half difference in the grand scheme of things. That isn't like dramatically that much, but you're playing Harden and Giannis. So you're not playing Jokic. And you're still fitting in DJ Augustine and Derek Rosen quickly, but you're not playing RJ Barry. You're playing Will Barton. And here's the next slide. Here's Nerlens Noel and Josh Hart. Right? All of these, all of these would be viable cash lineups based on. Currently at 11.15 in the morning with these projections that have not been adjusted uh, manually by our projections team. But that that's it. That's It's, it's a math game. Cash games are math games. I mean, the whole thing. All of DFS is a math game. But cash games, you don't have to worry about leverage or correlation or much of that stuff. It's just like, just fit as many points as they get for 50,000 in salary. And I just have to come in the top half, the top you know, 45% or whatever in a double up. You have to beat your head-to-head opponent. You have to beat one opponent. So you don't have to take, you don't have to take risks or whatever. Just like you don't, as long as you get a good median score, you're good. When you're playing GPPs, a median score is nothing. 
Yeah, you have to get in the top 20% just to cash and get 1.5x or 2x. And then it goes up progressively from there. So you get paid more the higher that you score. But in double ups, cash games, you don't get paid more the more that you score. You score 7 million points and your opponent scores 200. You get paid the same amount. So it's just a matter of just scoring more than them. You don't have to worry about, you know, I need to put up as many points as I possibly, possibly can and beat everyone in the field. Like, no. Top half, top 45%, what, 50-50s, double ups, triple ups, right? Wherever that payout line is, the difference between the first payout line and the, and the top one is the same amount. $5 double up, you, you, you're going you're gonna to win $5. Oh, it scored 7,000 points. Like, no, coming first in a double up doesn't do you any good. So that's how you should be building lines. But I mean, I use projections. So like to me on my you know, bankroll tracker, which obviously I didn't play yesterday. Of course, I had a bad day the day before, but still on the season across three sites with using a diversified strategy, like, yeah, DraftKings is down. Yeah, that is right. But Yahoo's up. FanDuel's massively up. But I almost, almost double, double my bankroll, my, my, my spreadsheet bankroll of 20,000 for this. I just do that every day. It's not, it's not that complicated. And there are nuances. If you don't want to play, if you look at the first lineup, you go, I don't want to play. I don't want to play Michael Porter. Then just uh, X amount and run into the lineup. Right? So you say, no, I'm not playing Michael Porter in cash. You X him out and like, well, who, who shows up? Dante DiVincenzo. So you do it on the side. You may like, oh, I, I prefer this lineup. Right? So I X them out. And look, this lineup is 288.16. That's two points off, medium-wise. Two points out of 290. Right? That's less than a percent of the amount of points. Now, over the long run, that percent may matter. Over the long, long run. But the, given the variance on, on one single slate, like what's wrong? This is a cash line. There's nothing wrong with this. You don't have to play Augustine. You're playing starters, right? Like I almost heard like from a, from a floor perspective, this, this may be a better lineup. Not having Michael Porter and playing quickly, Rose Barrett, you're getting like most of the guard minutes for the Knicks. You're getting Giannis Jokic, DiVincenzo, Barton, Lopez. Like this, this is this is not a bad line. This this is a f- perfectly fine cash line. You could play Michael Porter. Maybe 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 decide that uh, you instead of playing Giannis or 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 Jokic, you you want to play Harden. So you just lock him in, and then run it. This is 288.35. It's that hard lineup that we saw before. And maybe you don't want to play Augustine off the bench or whatever. Or the, I mean, he's starting now, but I mean, it's not like high usage or anything. So maybe like, now there's no way I'm playing DJ Augustine in cash and I want to play hard in cash. So you just reflect that and run it. 287.51. So, okay, now you're getting like three, almost three points off the optimal. It's not the end of the world. And then you go, you go, you got Burks in there now. So it's like, now you're, you're trading Augustine for Burke. I mean, is that better? Is that, but I mean, it, it's viable, right? I don't, I'd rather not give up two and a half to three median points in cash games. But if you think that this has a better floor, then go, then play it. Or you don't play hard and you take out Augustine and you run this and you get Milton, right? Get Milton instead. So it's the same lineup just with Milton. And you're like, oh, I think Milton's safer than Augustine. Okay, then do it. 288.61. I mean, we're talking about a point, a point and a half. That 
that cash game play in DFS is not complicated. If you have projections, I mean, it's not complicated. You don't have to project. I don't just tell me mathematically what, what, what the lineups make the most sense for contests where I don't need, there's no progressive payouts. Just give me all, give me, if I get hit all of these medians, I cash. There you go. That's, that's, that's pretty much how it works. And they get to hit their medians. As you know, in statistic, what a median is 50% of the time. So if all my guys hit 50, all their 50th percentile outcomes, most likely my lineup is going to cash. Most likely, most likely. That's my goal. I know we don't, we, I mean, we talk a little bit about cash games on this show, but there's not, there's not much more strategy to it. Like there's not as much, maybe some late swap stuff with head to heads. It was like, what, what other, what other tips can I give you? Trust your projections and just build the best lineup. There you go. Projections do all the hard work, hard work for you. So why not take advantage of it? Let's see, going through the YouTube chat. Schmohawks says Tony Snell seemed obvious, but solo owned. Did Tony Snell did, did well? Didn't he start for Reddish? Wasn't Reddish out? Did Snell actually do? Oh, 26 points. Right. Some people had him, right? Hishbu, E. Hafner, Giant Squid. For Tony Snell, 26 points is a lot, right? That's a lot. He was probably cheap, right? He was like 3K or something. Tony Snell is never obvious. So I don't think to say that, oh, obviously you play Tony Snell over Lonnie Walker. It's Tony Snell. Tony Snell and PJ Tucker are like, they go hand in hand. Guys, oh, played 38 minutes, didn't record a stat. I mean, like, just doesn't record. Just like, how is that possible? No rebounds, no assists, no steals, no blocks, no nothing. Just minutes. 38 minutes, nothing. And was like 0 for 2 shooting. Like, that's it. Like, how, I don't know how that happens. So, no, Tony Snell is never obvious. He's, he's really, he's never obvious. <laughs> Hog Lawrence DFS asks, do the truly elite cash players win more because they have better models or do they make better other decisions? Uh, probably a mix of both. Like I said before, like if you completely and utterly trust your model in the long run, just playing the top optimal whatever mathematical lineup, that that should that should have the highest EV. But these don't, but remember, when you're running for median, you're not taking the you're not taking into account. Ownership, you're not taking into account any standard deviation for a player. Two players could have 20-point medians, but wildly different ranges of outcomes. 20-point median, and his range is 16 to 24. Narrow range, right? Oh, good. In that fat part of the curve, 16, 24, like very small, and then 20 in the middle. But a 20 median could also mean a player that goes from six to 34. Yeah, that's a 20 median also. But a lot of, much more times he scores six or 34, a lot more, right? Much more volatility there. In cash games, you, do you need volatility? You want to limit your variance. So if you had a choice, but if those two players existed in the same position at the same price, at the same exact median, in cash games, you would prefer the one with the narrower range of outcomes. 
In GPP, you would prefer to run with the wider range of outcomes. Now, that's some, some stuff that you could probably pick up instinctually. You don't necessarily have to look at the range of outcomes in, in, the, in the projections. But maybe you sacrifice some median points to reduce your volatility. Minutes volatility. Guy that gets, you know, you have 20 minutes, but he could maybe he only plays 14 today type of thing. Whereas median looks good for 20 minutes, but if he doesn't get 20 minutes, you're in trouble. So maybe you don't play that guy in cash games, even though he may be in the top, he may be in the top one. But remember the, the, the optimizer or it, it just the knapsack problem. You do it in Excel. Like it's just going to look, it's just going to look at the median points. That's it. That's all it's going to look at and try to jam as much in for 50,000 as it can. Doesn't take all these guys could be the one, the most volatile players ever. They can dramatically six, 24, 87, whatever. Probably not, probably not the best for cash games. So you're willing to sacrifice a little bit of long, very long-term EV, the difference between lineups of a half a point. Are you willing to sacrifice that little amount for more stability? Same thing for ownership. Like ownership doesn't necessarily matter. You don't need leverage in cash games. But let's say today, let's say today, uh, you know, Derek Rose is chalk, right? Or quickly or something like that. And the, the top lineup that you run doesn't have them in it. Maybe the second one does. Maybe the third one does, but not the top one. And he's going to be 80% owned. Maybe it's just better to block at that point. Because, yeah, you play the top one. Rose puts up a big game and you're dead because 80% of the field have. Right, yet the lineup that's a half a point lower in median has him in it. So by default, you're like, well, the difference between these two lineups are marginal. Let me at least play, have the guy that's going to be 80% owned so I don't get so I don't get burned. In GPP, you would think the opposite way. Well, I hope I hope he's eighty percent on because if he doesn't do well, I'm just all those lineups are burned and I get to move up. But that works in progressive payout structures in GPPs because you get paid more the more that you move up. Double ups, you just uh, get to the cash line. You're fine. You don't have to move up. You don't have to get leverage. So that would that would be the difference. Cash players that could assess a slate. And not some just play the top. I have the projections, right? They just think in their head. I trust my projections. I think they're good. I think they're the most accurate. I'm just going to play whatever, whatever, whatever it tells me, right? Just mathematically to do. You can do that. That's still a viable lineup regardless. And some people add the nuances of the, of the volatility of players and the ownership and go, I think this is the best construction for floor and ceiling. This doesn't take into account the floor or anything. It's just the medians. That's it. Right? When you have the guys that are coming off the bench that could play anywhere from 18 to 26 minutes, do you want to have to rely on that in your cash games? Maybe not. Maybe you may, you may have no choice. Maybe that that's just happens to be the best value and that's the best choice. But if there's multiple choices that you can make, like who's better, Will Barton or, or RJ Barrett? Who knows? That's going to be close. Do you play quickly? Do you play both quickly in rows? Do you play all three quickly rows and Barrett? Do you not play Barrett? Do you play Porter? Because Porter could go all over the place also. 
Do you play DJ Augustine? So you could find lineups without any of those guys, one of the, at least one of those guys in it. And maybe it's better. This one has Nick Batum in it. Go down here. Here's a Robin Lopez lineup with Dante DiVincenzo. Like that, that's probably not ideal. So you're choosing and building the best, the best lineup you think for that day in cash games. But it's always using it's always using the most project the highest projected players. You're not gonna find oh, it's just some poorly projected minus five plus minus salary adjusted value, zero percent smash guy. You know, it's not gonna make the lineup, not gonna give you enough median points, at least enough that you know it's trying the optimizer's trying to give you the top 20. So it's most likely not gonna show up in the top 20 with a guy like that. Let's see, let's see. Yeah, people are talking about Gallinari. Right. That's the type of guy that may project well median-wise for cash games, but his range of outcomes can be much much wider. Because he could play eight minutes and do nothing sometimes. And then sometimes he can play eight minutes and get 32 points in that time. But like Hog Lawrence said, so what is the argument for a suboptimal pivot in cash if you don't care about risk variance? There's nothing, there's no argument. If you believe your model is the best, you believe that you're more accurate in the long run, even by the 0.1, point nothing, then no, there's no argument at all. Just play play whatever the math and play the math. There you go. That's that that's profit, my profit over. But when I say the long run, the difference between lineups that are less than a half a point projected. Like you're not going to even realize that long run, that EV in the long run for God. No, I mean, we're talking about thousands upon thousands, tens of thousands. It's going to be a very small percentage. So maybe the, in, the, in your DFS career, if you played for 10 years and you made, I'm going to play the slightly suboptimal by less than a half a point. Like it may, it may end up only mattering for a couple of bucks to you. Right? I mean, like it, it, may, it may end up that way. But theoretically, yes, there's no there's no reason to suboptimally pivot. If you, I always preface it with if you trust your model, if your model is accurate, or at least more accurate than other people that are playing, right? It doesn't have to be like the oh, it's not gonna it's not gonna be uh you know it's not gonna be a 1.0 R squared. I mean, it's not gonna be perfect. None, no model is that, and no model ever could ever be that perfect. Where the where the median is the exact outcome of all the players in the in the player pool. You know, that's that's never happened. Druard27 says, have you ever thought of entering one lineup into a large field tournament on FanDuel just so you could go over lineup reviews with your loyal followers, Apple Juice suppliers? Now, the problem with FanDuel is that we don't get results DB. They don't have publicly downloadable CSVs. So it's hard to go over stuff when like, I just have to search out lineups and stuff. I mean, you can do it. It's maybe less appealing for this type of show. We'd be spending we'd be spending forty minutes trying trying to find people's lineups, right? I'd have to be in there, then I have to go in. I have to let me find Squirrel Patrols, one of them, out of one hundred and fifty. Like it's like it's it's untenable. It's very it's very hard to to do a review like that without a tool like ResultsDB. So that's why that's why I do DraftKings. So it's not it's not that I don't care about Fanduel. It's not that that I I'm not playing GPPs on Fanduel even. Just that it's 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 just really hard to review it for for a show, especially when you just have to hunt and peck and look for individual lineups. You may you may find the one lineup that 
some sharp player has that guy in and he's in like none of the other lineup. So how would, how would you ever know that? What other constructions they went with? You'd have to go one by one. You'd be here forever. Let's see. Feel free to ask your questions. There's not, there's not, you know, how much review I, I was asking. I was pretty much asking you what happened yesterday. Right. I'm always here with the questions, even though, you know, sometimes I do I repeat, I repeat the answers, you know, over and over again, but whatever, let those podcast people worry about it. Right. If you're listening on the podcast, you can't see me waving to you. Well, why aren't you here live asking your questions? Oh, uh, let's see. Michael Lingenfelter says, uh, QQ, $100 showtime had 555 people last night. Saw that Scorer Patrol and a few other Sharps played the, played the opt, played the, played the, an optimal projected lineup in this contest. Can you explain why that they may have done that? Because they play high volume and it's easier to do so. It's the same reason as playing triple ups. Like I, I, if I play on, like on FanDuel, I will put my cash lineup in like the $25 single entry. If I look, I if I know that like my lineup is not like absurdly duplicated or something like that, then I'm not gonna have like like seven eighty percent owned guys because it, it 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 can do well in a smaller field contest. Five hundred fifty five entries, a cash lineup, if it uh, ends up having leverage, like that's that's the key. Is it does it end up having leverage? Is my cash lineup going to be a little bit different than most people's cash lineups. Well, that means I'm getting leverage. So why not take advantage of that and play it in a small, small field, single entry contest. Now the hundred dollars showtime, like what happens if you're playing $5,000 in cash? So a hundred dollars out of 5,000, isn't that dramatic? So it's like playing a triple up or a, quint, a quintuple up or something. Like you're not just doing that in just a hundred dollars showtime. Just like, no, I'm playing I'm playing $3,000 a head-to-heads. I'm playing $1,000 in double-ups. I'm playing $500 in triple-ups. And it's like, okay, I throw it into the, throw this lineup into the showtime also. Okay, whatever. You know, that lineup is in 227 different contests. Some of the sharper players just, I mean, one lineup type of guys, just do it out of, I guess, laziness. Like instead of just building multiple lineups for different GPPs, it's like just, I'm going to make one lineup. I'm going to enter into everything and that's it. You could take advantage of that in those smaller field, single entry type of contests. You know that lineups are more likely to look closer to cash lineups. And that's why the ownership of the chalkiest players ends up being chalkier in those types of contests. So take advantage. You had more leverage available to you, right? Your, your lineup is going to be a lower median, but it have more of a chance of winning first place if the chalk fails because the chalk will be chalkier. So take advantage of it. But that's the reason why they do it. Same reason why I would. I've on DraftKings, maybe I've done it before with the showtime. You know, I'm build I'm building a couple of GPP lineups and it's 658 or something. Oh, oh I, I still have one lineup to go and I don't know if I could complete it. All right. And then I just enter, I just, I'll just export and import the my cash lineup and okay, it's it is what it is, right? Maybe I late swap, maybe I separate it later and late swap into that just that lineup you could do that sometimes i do that and sometimes the cash lineup you're playing which has some leverage can actually win a 500 person gpp 
I do it in soccer. I mean, soccer, the, those smaller GPPs are smaller. They're 90, 100 or whatever. But no, it's, it's either because of volume or I guess laziness. I guess that's the best way of putting it, la laziness. Let's see. Ronald Coley asks for your GPPs, you exclude the whole slate of games and only add the people you want in your pool right. Yeah, that, that, that's what I do personally. You don't necessarily have to. A lot of times I'm adding the players back that would have ended up being in all my lineups had I not excluded anyone, right? Because it's not like I'm excluding a guy. I'm, I'm just getting the best projected players in the widest range of salaries and positions. So I have something to work with. Like, okay, here's the core group of 30, 35, whatever for the slate. These are what the my lineup should be made of to build high projected and possibly lower owned type of lineups. And then if I see after building and going through lineup HQ that my lineups are still too chalky, maybe I, I add a couple of, now I go to the B guys. Go, okay, who else can I put in? Or I see that I don't have, you know, I only have two small forwards in my pool. But like, do I want to have 50% of each of these guys to make up? Or I'll find a small forward that is now, didn't make the cut the first time, but now makes the cut the second time. Do you have to do it that way? No, I just find it easier to do that way. Tyler Coleman asks for single entry GPPs and or large field GPPs, is there a cumulative ownership percentage range you feel comfortable at? Trying to find the spot where it's leveraged enough, but not too much either. It's, it's, it's all slate dependent. It's all relative to the slate. Some slates we have guys that are 80% owned. I mean, take a look at yesterday's slate. Yesterday's slate, if you played Walker, Murray, Lee, Allen, Tatum together, Mills, something like that. I mean, we're talking about 60 plus 50 is 110. Plus 47, 157, plus 35, that's 192, plus 34. Now we're over two, we're like at 220 or something. For yesterday's slate, 220 was like more towards the cash lineup type of thing. So maybe in a single entry, you're playing a lineup that's 180. These are blunt numbers. They don't, they, they're the guidelines. So maybe you're playing 180. Maybe you're trying to find in that range. Maybe for large field, you can play lineups that are 140. You can probably also play lineups that are 190, right? Because it depends on who's the lower owned guy in that lineup. That's why there's no exact number. But for this for this slate, but let's say, just so I could leave it up on the screen, that the ownership on the slate was this, right? I'm going to cut off the top three. So the highest owned guy in, 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 in on the slate is 35%. So now the cash lineup kind of looks like the top, like five guys or something. 35 plus 34 plus 34 plus 33. So we're talking about 120, 140 plus another 20. So like, yeah, so the cash lineup, the cash chalky type of construction would be around 160. So for a small, small field single entry contest, maybe you're playing cumulative ownership of 135, right? It's all relative to one another. Large field, maybe you're playing ones that are 110, 100. Maybe you find some that are 80s. Maybe you could find some that are 130s. 130 on the slate where 
multiple guys are like 40, 50, 60% owned, that would be very contrarian. Because obviously 110 would equal like two of these guys in your lineup. So in order to play a lineup that has 110% cumulative ownership, you're basically fading the, the, the three chalkiest players on the slate, which is fine. But that's only because they're 60%, 50%, and 47% owned. The three chalkiest guys on the slate are in 35, 34, and 33. So re- relatively, you're doing the same kind of thing, but the raw, not the number. How much ownership? In some slates, some slates, a high-owned lineup is only 120. In some slates, like it's hard. Some slates, if they're small, especially three-game slate, like it's it's almost it's very hard to build a lineup that doesn't have more than 200% ownership. So, so you can't just go by a, a, a just a number. Like what's the number? There's no number. It's all it's all it's all relative to the slate. There was an actual number. Would I tell you? No, I'd be printing money. If there was a button to easily just press and make a million dollars, I wouldn't be here. If there were, everyone would be doing it. The game would be dead. Like no one would play DFS anymore. It's been solved. It's done. Here's the button. So it can't be an exact number. Going through the YouTube chat. Greg R says, okay, this is a this is a good point. Based on early optimals today. This is something, this is something that I do. Greg R says, based on the early optimals today, looks like the correlating pieces to the Denver, Milwaukee, and Knicks chalk will be relatively underowned. I mean, we don't have ownership up yet. But what that means is that people are going to play the Knicks. They'll play multiple pieces of the Bucks, multiple pieces of the Nuggets, but not the other side of the game. Right? Kings. Wizards, Pelicans. So what that means is that like, no, you're not, you're, it's not, well, I'm not going to play the Knicks. I'm going to play the Kings instead. It's more of the fact of if you're going to play two or three Knicks in your lineup, why don't you play, why don't you play De'Aaron Fox? Why don't you play Rashawn Holmes? Something like that. If you're going to play Jokic, why, why aren't you playing Westbrook or Beal or something like that in that lineup for leverage? So instead of playing Jokic, Giannis, you're playing Jokic, Westbrook, or Beal. So they're in the same game. They're correlated to some extent. And if you're going to play Giannis, maybe you play Brandon Ingram in that lineup, who may end up going lower owned. It could be the type. It could be the type of thing where you're just playing one of the Knicks and two 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 of the Kings. You could do that. Well, yeah, but that that type of thinking makes sense. If if obviously if they project well enough, and the ownership is low enough, so we take a look here, and we go. I'm going to x out all of them, not x out, but just uh, hide them. So if you're going to play Knicks, here's the here's the Kings. So yeah, De'Aaron Fox isn't that bad. Rashawn Holmes isn't that bad, right? Twenty five, twenty four percent. Buddy healed. I mean, that's always an adventure. And especially if you're using guard spots, like why not use Rashawn Holmes? He's using guard spots for the Knicks. Now you have a center spot for that. Okay. If that makes sense in that lineup, go to the Washington Denver game. Yeah. Beal and Westbrook pretty much. Right. Not much mystery there. 
and they they project fine, 50 plus points. So instead of building uh, uh, a Giannis lineup, you just don't play any bucks or whatever. And you play Beal or Westbrook instead. It gives you leverage and it also has, you know, two sides of the same game. Now, if that game blows out, you're dead. The lineup sucks. There you go. Okay, game goes to overtime, you're, you're gold. Or at least if it's close enough and over the total. Most of the production is on the Wizards. They're going to go to Beal and Westbrook. And there'll be plenty of people that have Jokic in their lineup without either of them. So take advantage of that. Just understand it's just, these types of correlations are very small. Nothing that like, I know I need to force this in. But given the choice, yeah, I'd, ra- I'd rather in a lineup, if I'm going to pay 9K for a player in a lineup that has like Barton and Monty Morris and Jokic or some one, two combination of that, it's like, oh, I need a 9K player to fit in this lineup. So I'm going to, I'm going to play Wheel of Westbrook. I'm going to play do that as opposed to uh, Paul George, right? At 8,800, Kawhi Leonard. If they project similarly, I mean, they don't, but if they did, it makes more sense to at least take advantage of that small correlation if you can. But it's not something you need to force in. You can make groups. You can, you, you could force it in, but it's not necessary. The correlations in NBA are very weak. So even if you're playing like two guys that are like, oh, the two guys, they're priced efficiently. Can they both hit the ceiling at the same time? Yeah, they can. A little less probability. But you don't have to necessarily go out of your way to like, I need to make sure that if I have this guy, these three guys have to be in. You don't have to do that. Let's see. Going to the YouTube chat. Sam Grant says, apparently he must have. Okay. I guess they're, I like the way these guys are talking amongst yourselves. At least, at least there's decent answers in, in the chat. Smart people hang out here. So even if you ask your questions, sometimes you get answers in the in the actual YouTube chat. Hit the give 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 the YouTube chat helper people a thumbs up. Keep my keep my apple juice cold cold in the process. Uh, let's see. Yeah, people are talking about projections for cash games or whatever. A lot of models around the industry are very similar, especially in NBA. I mean, it's the least, it's the lowest variance sport. It's still high variance, but it's the lowest variance out of it. It's, it's easier. It's more projectable, less big events, no home runs, touchdowns, those types of things. So yeah, as long, as long as you're, you're projecting minutes and usage similarly, most of the time, like, like the projections aren't going to be that far off. It could be a 1% difference between models. A 1% difference, if you if you ran the knapsack problem based on a projection set as a 1% difference, it's quite possible that the top median projected lineup is still the same. Especially when value opens up, especially when there are multiple guys that are mispriced. You see that on FanDuel a lot. Where it's like, well, obviously I'm playing this guy at power forward. He's now starting at center and playing 38 minutes. Like, 
Okay, well, there's one spot gone that nearly everyone's going to have. And because you're playing down in there, now you're paying up in here, and then it kind of all fits in. Let's see. Keith Espinoza. What are the most crowns you could win on a DK mission? I don't know. What are the most? I think the most I've had in 1500 for a $150 contest, at least for me. But I mean, that's the level that I'm playing at. The missions are all catered towards whatever contest that you normally play to some extent. So most of my missions are like between 50 and 150 bucks. And for the requisite crowns, you know, $150 contest, you get 1200 crowns or something. The crowns are, if you didn't know on DK, 550 crowns equals a dollar. And you get crowns per dollar that you enter. Okay. So every $550 that you enter in contests, you get $1 back. Not, not really very crowny, right? Once you, once it put, once you put it that way, it's like, yeah, it's kind of, kind of, kind of cheap, cheap rewards. It's better than nothing, right? Still better than nothing. Right. For, oh, for every 550 bucks, but also understand that the money that the sites make are from the rake, not from the entry fees. So let's say you play $550 worth of contests to get 550 crowns, which is equivalent to $1. And let's say your effective rake amongst all those contests is 12% or something. 10, let's say it's 10% or 50, let's say just say it's 15%. I'm trying to do the math in my head easier. 15% of 550, is somewhere around 80 bucks or so, right? 82.50 or something, something, something 87.50, something like that. And you get a dollar back. There you go. There's a, there's your buck. Now, if you play lower, lower rate contest, 10%, 550 bucks worth of entries is $55. $1 out of 55 is a little less than 2%. So if you like, oh, would you like, would you like to get somewhere between one and a half to, you know, to one to two percent back of your rake? Sure, why not? Give it to me. So when you put it into that perspective, it's like, okay, it's better than nothing. A lot of people don't know that. A lot of people, it's crowns. It's crown season. I got a lot of crowns. What do I do? They're gonna only go down in value. I would highly suggest you just spend your crowns in the contests. As whenever, whenever you just enter in the contests. So when you have enough crowns and you can enter a $5 contest, it'll give the little, little crown thing, little gold coin or whatever on the screen. Just enter with your crowns. It's like airline miles. Then the, the airlines aren't going to make the miles worth more in the future. They're always going to be worth less. They have no incentive to making them worth more. Worst case scenario, they tomorrow they decide they're getting rid of the whole fucking uh, reward program to begin with. Right. Oh, you know, all those crowns up. They don't mean anything anymore. Oh, just out of nothing. No utility whatsoever. Right. DK crowns are worth less than without actually are, which is, which actually has more utilization crowns on DK or Bitcoin. Hmm. Crowns I could turn into contest entries, right? Bitcoin. What do I do? I just, well, all I can do with Bitcoin is go on Twitter and put rocket ship emojis. That's apparently the only usage of Bitcoin. <laughs> apparently that's the only way you to use it. Is that whenever it goes up, you have to go on Twitter and, and put rocket ship emojis. 
But that, but a lot of people don't know that about DK crowns. It's like, oh, okay, whatever. It's like, so when you get 75 crowns, it's like, oh, oh, thank, thanks for the, thanks for like the 18 cents or something, right? It's like, oh, something's better than nothing. They don't have to do it. Go through the YouTube chat. Feel free to post any questions before ending the show. There's not much to talk. I mean, I, I say this every day. Some, some we get, we, a lot of times we get new people. A lot of times I get emails or messages on Twitter or, you know, if they listen to the podcast later and it's like, you didn't talk that much about today's slate. It's like, would I have ever mentioned Jeremy Grant being out yesterday? No, of course not. Cause that didn't happen yet. What can I mention? Everything's going to change. It's basketball. Baseball will be a little bit easier. Oh, let's see. Going through the apple juice is loose. Let's go through. People are talking like the people just talking, talking amongst themselves. That's fine. Devin's in the chat. Give a thumbs up. Get hit the dummy thumbs for Devin. Devin's, you can't even tell. Eli was here on what two days ago. People didn't notice. Right? Devin, Devin's the best producer. Eli's just learning. Devin's always there. See, he's there with the emojis. Eli wasn't doing the emojis either. Right. Okay. Now Devin, Devin's back in his rightful place as the fabulous multitasking producer. Okay. John Peters. If you have any issues with any of the concepts that I explained in the course, you're more than welcome to email me. I don't have, to, there's no flaws to any strategy. It's game theory. It's concepts. How you apply them is, is up to you. Drew 27, are you talking about top shots again? Can people stop talking? I I can I can't not follow it. It's in my it's my YouTube. It's in my Twitter stream. I don't have no top shots. I like seeing people being tilted on pack drops, pack drops, and and basketball players getting them. Josh Hart, someone gifted him one, and then he just sold it. What kind of, what kind of asshole is that? Here's a gift. Okay, thank you. And then you go to the pawn shop. I mean. Is there any tact anymore in this world? You don't do that. Uh, okay. So uh, so today, right now, I think right now, we got some Knicks value. And then we're going to kind of, like I said before, I think it's a matter of you're choosing two between Jokic, Giannis, and Harden, which will make Luka... Luca, Luca and Harden are going to be the ones that are going to be lower owned, just from a positional eligibility perspective. Because if Rosen quickly are going to be chalky as value, they fill up guard spots. So once their guard spots are starting to fill up, you pay up at power forward and center, and not at point guard only eligible players like Harden or Luca. I think Harden will still get good enough ownership, but I think Luca will be the lowest one based on our current projections right now. We're like Embiid 
and Beal and Westbrook. I think that Beal Westbrook plus Jokic that gives you leverage and a little, little bit of correlation in there. Or you play Randall. You play Randall instead of the Knicks chalk. Could do that. There's there's a there's a lot there's a there's a decent amount of ways to go. Because if it stays like this, we'll kind of know what the value is. The problem comes in is that 530 injury report, none of this matter. I mean, not who knows? Sacrament Luke Walton with Sacramento, who knows? What's going on with Harrison Barnes? He could be sitting. What's going on with Holmes? He could he could have a tummy ache. Who knows? Could throw this out the window. Or Kyrie Irving's missing. Who knows? We did come on. And Jim Joel Embiid has a back problem 10 minutes before the tip-off. Is Porzingis playing? Is he even in? We haven't, we haven't, he's questionable. Who knows if he's playing? When people say, like, I don't know why you don't talk about today's slay. I did talk a little bit about it, but it's mostly strategy. Referring to strategy questions, we went through some like cash lineup type of stuff. I explained some things. We don't know, but that's, but that's the way it is in NBA DFS. That's why, that's why you got to be by your computer. That's why you got to pay attention. That's why if I'm, if I'm not going to be at my computer during lock or during the first hour, even how do I play? How do I play thousands of dollars in volley? How do, how do I do that? I can't, maybe I win, maybe it's fine, but I'm not going to risk that. No, I'm going to play as optimally as I can. And if I can't be at my computer, I ain't going to play. It's just the way it is. I'll play tonight. Tonight we go. Okay. Tonight we're good. Tonight we're, we're, we're peachy. Of course they're all staggered starts, right? 9.30, 9.00, 8.00, 7.30, 7 o'clock. At least it's only six games. At least it's only six games. But uh, whatever happens on tonight's slate, that's what I'll be talking about tomorrow, right? So you tune in tomorrow. Because I'm live. I'm always live. You can hit the notification bell to know when we go live. Hit the subscribe button if you're new here. Hit the thumbs up button on your way out the door. Because I'm live every weekday. Every weekday, 11 o'clock in the morning. You're on the DFS pregame show on rotogrinders.com.